0: Dicks and hits and goals and saves and slapshots and goons. We've got
1: sportly commentary to whatever you commute. But we also cover movies, TV shows, hits and tunes. It's your weekly bowl of hugging and nonsense.
2: I'm Greg Washinsky of ESPN, worldwide leader in sports uh entertainment. And uh, multiple channels that cover it.
0: Uh, I'm Ryan Lambert from uh, GameStop and also the new GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm Thomas Drance from the city of. What? From from the city of Riots. I'm replacing Sean Gentili. I ate him on a sandwich with French fries. (laughs)
0: And that's uh that's a different guy from a different <laughs> show, but-, no,
2: but there's always there's many Sean. Many Sean. Uh, you're in puck you're in puck soup. So Drance, Drance is filling in for Down Goes Brown this week. We can as you know as you know, in order to have uh the podcast available in Canada, we have to uh, fulfill that stupid <laughs> broadcasting six, 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 obligation <laughs> right and always have at least one member of the cast be Canadian. Oh. <laughs> it's funny, what I, I was the, uh, the people that might not know this, but the origin story of me and Jeff Merrick doing MVSW was they were talking to me about uh hosting hockey night in Canada radio after he left, which in hindsight is hilarious. Could you imagine me doing that fucking gig? You know, like <laughs> talking about like Shakutami or whatever the fuck it is. So like um uh So anyways, so I learned part of that, of the discussion was, can we have Greg host the show? Because on this network, we have that Canadian talent obligation content thing. And uh, it was the first time I'd ever learned of it. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And, and they're like, yeah. We, and we're like, we don't, know if you, if just have, we don't know if just having you on is the problem because you're an American. But as, if you're an American talking about Canadian things, I don't know. Maybe that fulfills the <laughs> obligation. <laughs> just like, what the yeah. fuck is going on? The here?
0: good news was you're not Canadian and you don't have any talent. So you were all set.
2: Right. It all worked out. <laughs> right. And, and, uh, and also, uh, most of my content is based around American pop culture. So none of, none of it fit. Uh, and that's why we ended up doing a podcast together which launched uh, that podcast, which inevitably launched this podcast. It's like a coaching tree. It's like a GM tree, which brings us to Jim Rutherford, who, of course, (laughs) uh, begot uh, Bill Guerin, begot uh, Tommy Fitzgerald, begot uh, Jason Botterill, uh, and begot this week's news uh, that Jim Rutherford is stepping down from his uh, GM gig with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Shocking news, to say the least. Uh, Before we we get into everybody's take on this... um, the, the rumors were flying around Fast and Furious. I don't know where we are with them now. I think Ryan, you were saying as we were coming on the air, the there's there's a rumor in Pittsburgh that he was trying to trade Letang, uh, Chris, yeah. Let, Chris Letang. I don't know if he was trying to trade him for Oscar Kleffbaum, which was um, you know my suggestion on the r- most recent bonus episode, uh, the one for one trade episode. Um, but so maybe it's that I had somebody who knows Fitz, knows uh, um, uh, what's his face uh, Rutherford a little bit uh who suggested maybe it was uh the the covid thing kind of getting them down Mm. i think that was probably born from rob rossi's story on the covid thing kind of getting them down (laughs) earlier this month hockey being the echo chamber that it is i asked rutherford about it he's like he's like that the way in the world is not the reason why i've decided to do this i'm like okay that's cool um so it's all mysterious and the timing is fucking crazy and uh, it, and the most amazing part is that this. Usually, is a situation if somebody's like, I've lost my fi- my smile. I don't want to be a GM anymore. They get kicked upstairs. But in this case, it's like I'm. He, he kind of lamarilloed it. He's like, I'm. I'm out of here. You know, I'm going to go do something else, maybe or and or retire. But if he doesn't say retire, it probably means do
0: something else eventually. Ryan, what was your take on uh, Jimmy Rutherford's step? Yeah, I I thought it was just a lost my smile kind of a thing because you know he's what 70, 72, well, 70, something like that seventy one becoming seventy two. Split the difference. Month, think, yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's like when uh, Chris Chelios played for the Thrashers for those five games, and, and Brett Hall was on the Coyotes for a, a hot minute, where it's like, yeah, I, I went into the season, I thought I, was, I wanted to do it, and then I was like, nah, this sucks, I'm out of here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, there's always that aspect of it, do
0: you think, I, uh, Yeah, I, I legitimately think he just thought, you know what, fuck this.
1: <laughs> Respect, if that was the case, I just can't imagine I the GM walking away, though. Right? Like, I wonder if I wonder if there was you know a disagreement on an extension or something like that, and he just sort of uh, you know <laughs> threw his middle fingers up in the sky um, and played hardball by walking wow. away, which would be a, a badass move. But that's sort of the type of thing that you can maybe see from Rutherford, right? Rutherford, as I recall, Rutherford didn't when he leave Carolina. It was sort of odd too. And, and kind I of feel on like his that's terms, yeah, right, yeah. You know, it was on his terms. He's kind of yeah. like an old school, like this town's big enough for only one of us kind of guy. Um, so you know, I, I wonder if it was that. But look, the big winner. My big take on this is that the big winner of this is big Bill Guerin and Tom Fitzgerald, right? Because whenever <laughs> when, whenever the Penguins get into a bind. It's always one of Rutherford's ex-lieutenants who, like, take on the Bugstad contract, right? Like, it's always Bill Guerin <laughs> or, or, or Botterill, like, the Shiri Rodriguez deal. Like, it's always his ex-lieutenants doing him a favor, helping him off the schneid. Um, so I'm sure Bill Garen came to the office in Minnesota today at, at XL or whatever and was like, Phew! <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. Right, right. No, he's no longer he's no longer in the in the
2: uh, in the the life debt to Jim Rutherford. That's a very good take.
0: Yeah, and um, meanwhile, every Penguins fan is like, you couldn't have done this before the fucking Mike Matheson trade. I mean, Jesus Christ.
2: <laughs> I mean, here's the thing with Rutherford, right? Like, first of all, it's funny because essentially. The GM they're going to be looking for is Jim Rutherford. Like, they're looking for somebody to come in. They believe they have a good team. They know there's something amiss about it. They want somebody to come in and fix it in the short term. And if you remember when Rutherford was hired, it was incredible because he literally walked through the door... And 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 it was the first time I'd ever heard a GM say this. He's like, I figure I'm just going to be here for two or three years. And you're just like, what? <laughs> like, uh, don't you have a five-year plan? Don't you want to be king for life? He's like, ah, just two or three years and hand the reins over to somebody else. And you're like, all right. And then, of course, three years later, he's on his second Stanley Cup. And he's just like, fuck all of you. I'm the king. I am the emperor. <laughs> emperor Rutherford. And And so, like... Now they're looking for somebody to basically come in and, and do the short-term fix. Like, we, we know how old Sid is, and we know how old Gino is, and, and we know what this team looks like, and, and we need somebody to kind of fi- you know, figure out where the pieces fit and what to do in order to make this a championship team again, which is exactly what Jim Rutherford was hired to do and did it quite successfully. Um, you know, it's funny. When you started talking about Garrett and Fitzgerald, I was thinking to myself how lucky they are that they have jobs because otherwise they would have been tasked probably with fixing this and instead Billy Garen gets to be in Minnesota where his older players are gonna you know eventually age out and then it'll be the team of uh, Kirill Kaprizov and then you know Fitzgerald's in Jersey where he's got fucking Jack Hughes and Nico Huescher to build around and instead of having to be in Pittsburgh and be like you're the new guy uh figure it out figure out how to de-age Evgeny Malkin um like they get to kind of do their own things and and I'm I t- I texted a GM yesterday who said that this Penguins job is still very de- is still very desirable mainly because of the stability of the franchise like the, the big thing for a GM is like am I going to get fucked by ownership yeah and, and you're not going to get fucked by ownership cap. in Pittsburgh yeah, of course yeah so it still remains a very desirable job but as far as like where you want to land with the chance for maximum success like, you totally want the blank palette versus the the paint step that's been on there for fucking 15 years, <coughs> right? Don't you?
0: Yeah, it, it's tough because, you know, uh, not only are all the, or the you know, the three good players on, like, really good players on the team, you know, 33, 34, 35 years old uh, in the next couple of years, but uh, Malkin and Latang are... Done or their contracts are done after uh, next season, not this current one. And it's like when that happens, you're either going, Well, I got to re sign Evgeny Malk until he's 38, 40, or let him walk, and there goes one of the best players in franchise history. And then, like, how do I sell that to Sid, who's signed until he's like 37 or 38 as well and just a year yeah. or two younger? and at that point it's like well uh, sid's going to be probably well past it at at that point you know 2 years from now what we think of as being sidney crosby isn't going to be sidney crosby anymore and what what's the like what's the sell on that to ownership like how do you how are you not coming into this job going well i have this job for 4 years and then the team sucks and they fire me right
2: you want to come into that job and be like, I have a job for four years, and then you know they they ask out and then I get my blank palette, but I don't know, man. What Drance, you're you're Mario Lemieux. Let's say you're Mario for a second. Yeah. Um f- first of all, congratulations on being the greatest player yes, of all thank time. You. That's Puck Soup's Puck Soup Cannon.
1: <laughs> Six foot four and um, still in great shape, dressed to the nines, the most intimidating man in hockey. Uh, yeah. very excited to R- be Mario Lemieux. Uh, the Ryan and I have, have have wandered through your labyrinthine wine cellar to find you <laughs> and ask you this question. <laughs>
2: what who do you who do you hire like there so amongst the candidates that have been bandied about by a number of people, myself included, obviously Botterill just signed to be an assistant g m in Seattle he's now got buffalo experience under his belt, everybody looking at ron Hextall, i mean probably for maximum hilarity of like <laughs> fucking magneto taking over the x men yeah. and then and then you know Chirelli's names out there uh and and a few others and and I mean let's not discount the fact that. Pierre Maguire and Mario Lemieux are very tight. Mario? Mar- Mario?
1: Here, I'll do it in Pittsburgh accent. Mario? You know who you're going to hire, don't you? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, well, I, I mean, just to do Pierre a favor as his good friend Mario Lemieux, I'm at least going to interview him so that he can leak it to everybody. Uh, but the... <laughs> 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 but, but, look, the uh, first thing I'm doing, again, since I'm Mario Lemieux, is uh, I'm going to light a cigarette... Just to help me help me relieve my stress, (laughs) and then and then look, I mean, the thing that I like if I'm the Penguins for all the issues that we've gone over, right, is the Penguins have this weird way that they play hockey where you know they they punt and hunt out of the defensive zone, right? Like, I don't even need defenders who can make a first pass. I just I just send it across the red line and let my forwards kind of chase it. And, and because of that, I've been able to find guys like John Marino. Like, is John Marino, John Marino in any, on any other team? Because for the Penguins, he's a top pair guy. Any other team, I'm not right. sure he is. I'm not sure he's uh, more than a four, right? And because of this, I can bring in and gamble on guys like Michael Matheson or whomever. And it works like half the time, right? Like, some of the time it works. Some of the time I get Eric Goodbranson. So so be it. Um, the fact, though, is, is that... You know, my player development group churns out Teddy Blugers and Biz FizzBits, and we we seem <laughs> to do a really good job of that. And and I don't yeah. need I don't need huge difference makers on the blue line so long as I've still got Letang. Um, so I kind of like a lot of what I've got going, and a lot of what Jim Rutherford has set up. And I, I kind of just want to get someone in who maintains that continuity for the most part, but. I'm also not too concerned about changing direction considering, you know, some of the shit that my team's been through over the last, you know, 8 months and, and you think about this off season in particular, right? There was Caramanos yeah. fired, right? The Dale Talon sort of movement rumors, whatever it was. I'm not exactly sure why it fizzled out, but it was it was thought to be a done deal. <sighs> Um, you know, Mm -hmm. among my league sources anyway, for for a long, long time and then just didn't happen. Uh, You've got the Jared Scaldy thing, too, right? Um, Yeah. There's been a lot of, like, sort of old cheese smell (laughs) coming from my club, (laughs) uh, considering. (laughs) And so, you know, honestly, the guy at the very top of my list, as I... Um, you know finish my cigarette put it out in my ashtray and light another immediately um, the guy who's at the top of my consideration list honestly if I'm Pittsburgh would be Drury like why not he's the winningest American player of all time I, I think he's ready for another opportunity this is an organization that you know needs just a little bit of a tweak like some some fresh eyes are good but I want someone experienced uh, and I want someone who gets what we're doing and you know I don't think Drury's gonna leave the east coast for an opportunity so I think his no options are relatively limited uh i think he's yeah. done a great job in new york i think you know a little retool like he'd he'd be my guy w- winningest american player bring him on in uh i think I, I think chris drury would be at the top of my consideration list as i uh finish this cigarette that's the conclusion i've made and uh now i'm ready to go start interviewing folks i
2: guess the question becomes would sid accept a, a, a gm who's not done the job before at this stage in his career mm fair enough. That's the real key. Like to, like you have two people that basically are going to make this decision, right? You have Mario that's going to make the call ultimately, and then you have Sid. And and you have Sid saying, you know, that that's why I I don't completely dismiss as as insane as it might sound, the idea that like Pat Brisson could be the GM of the Penguins, right? Like 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 I hey, like yeah, I know this guy is pretty good, you know, you know, agent and stuff, and you know, like there's a chance that Sid signs off on that and that Mario signs off on it too. You need to find somebody who both of them they're going to like, right? And maybe maybe someone who hasn't sat in the big chair um, doesn't get that nod
0: from Sid. Yeah, I don't know the, what the answer the, the, is. The real problem there is that if you do go with someone who has GMing experience, you you said them all earlier. It's it's cheerily, it's Hextall. And it's yeah. Botterill, and it's like, oh, all those guys, uh, what's the thing they have? In- oh, they're bad at that. They're bad at, <laughs> uh, they're bad at being GMs. So I really, like, I don't know, how, like, just as much as you sell, you maybe you can't sell Sid on It Should Be an AGM. I don't know how you go, Sid, you're going to love this. We're going to get the guy who drafted Connor McDavid? How does that sound? And it's like, what else did he do again? Oh, right, right, right. He was terrible. Uh, He's he, the guy who squandered
2: Connor McDavid. Yeah, as well. that's exactly um, right.
0: So, like, I don't know how that's a, a selling point either,
2: honestly. I, someone's going to take the job, right? But, like, here's the issue when Rutherford took over the job, he took over the job after they had lost in the second round of the playoffs to the Rangers in seven games. He took over a team that, granted, was five years removed for a cu- from a cup, but also a team that had assets like, for example, you could trade James Neal and get Patrick Hornquist. You could put together a deal to trade for Phil Kessel. This franchise is not in the best of shape. No, yeah. Chris and- Peters had him 30, 31st in the prospect pool rankings back in September. Um, Minnesota owns their first rounder this year in the Jason Zucker trade. Ooh, that was
1: a bad like, call. Yeah, exactly.
2: So whoever takes over this team with the marching orders to turn this thing around as quickly as possible and and build around Sid and Gino as quickly as possible, fuck, man, with what? Yeah, like- no,
0: it's – it's the other thing to say is when Rutherford took over the team, uh, he had a 28-year-old of Genny Malkin and a 26-year-old Sidney Cross, whatever the numbers were. They were like, you know, in their mid to late 20s and not – 30 plus. And so the the idea that you could build a a new team around these core pieces and also Marc-Andre Fleury who, you know, let's be honest, the Penguins uh, goal difficulties uh, have become very obvious uh, in the last Mm. two, three years. And so I don't You know, I don't know how you go, and you know what, Tristan Jari is the guy we're going to build around, and uh, the defense is whatever's left of Chris Letang after next season, and John Marino, and then a bunch of guys where it's like, oh oh yeah, Brian Dumoulin is an NHL player, huh? Okay, fair enough. (laughs) And kind of, and kind of talking about what
2: Durant said before. Like, this team is very much built in the image of Jim Rutherford and what he likes to do. Like, the, it's a speedy team. It, sometimes, I think, in some cases, speed over skill. I, it, it's, it's clearly a, de- a defense built in, in the way that he likes to build his D out, which is kind of the same thing Carolina. It's like, that, it's like that challenge on Top Chef where somebody starts making the meal, and then they tag in somebody, and they have to kind of, like, finish the dish without changing <laughs> the menu completely. Right. Like, whoever takes over this team does not have the opportunity to, to mold it and shape it in their own image. Um, which I think is a real a real bummer for them too. I don't know. It's it's a conundrum. If you're if you're a Penguins fan, uh, you know you still have some hope. It's not a bad team. Like it, it, I think Rutherford's built himself an interesting little team. Um, I don't know if it's championship quality uh, at all, but it's going to be competitive. I think I think it's shown that it can be a playoff team on some nights. But you know, looking down you know down the line here, if you're a Penguins fan, maybe you pull your seats over your head a little bit and go back to bed. Speaking of beds. Today's episode of Puck Soup is sponsored by Brooklinen. Um folks... Six folks, what?
0: Six
2: oh, I didn't know we were switching to the fucking number system. I thought we were just doing letter grades. Is okay, okay. This D, a, a, Greg. How's that sound? Oh, fuck,
0: fuck you. That, <laughs> right, go
2: back to... The, the, the six was better. Some mornings you wake up and you feel ready to pull the covers back over your head, like the Penguins fans, and go back to sleep. No judgment, of course, but, you know, if you've got the most comfortable sheets available, it might be the reason why. Linen sheets are heartily endorsed on this podcast. I have them on my bed right now. They're the softest, most comfortable uh, sheets and pillowcases that I've ever uh, had in my life. Um, when I go to sleep at night, uh, I am uh, wafted off to, uh, to slumberland um, in complete comfort. It, it is one of those deals where you look forward to going to sleep because the moment your head hits the pillow, you're done. Um, this place is, is great. Uh, variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials to fill all your needs and tastes. Over 50,000 five-star reviews, which I believe, Lambert, was also the number that Wonder Woman 1984 hit. Uh, 50,000 five-star reviews. Am I correct in that? Uh, That might be optimistic. Okay, I might be overshooting it. (laughs) They're so confident that you will love their products that they offer a 365-day money-back guarantee. And they're much more than sheets. they got comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear. And much, much more. It's 2021. Jeez, where's my flying car? Do something nice for yourself and start the new year right. To help you do that, Brooklinen has a special offer. Go to brooklinen.com. B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Use the promo code PUCK, as in Puck soup to get $25 off when you spend 100 bucks or more, plus free shipping. That's dot ncom <clears throat> Enter the promo code PUCK, P-U-C-K. And get twenty five dollars off when you spend a hundred dollars or more. Brooke Lennon, get yourself some betting, people. You'll love it. Uh we do the show on a Thursday. There are like a hundred games tonight, so everything we're about to say I'm sure is gonna be immaterial, but a quick spin around the league. Um the Penguins, we should probably start over in the in the um the former metro. Uh they're, you know, middle of the pack hanging on top four teams right now washington boston philly pittsburgh as we do the podcast the devils have looked good on some nights and not so good on others uh the big surprise here for me is the rangers getting off the blocks as poorly as they have and the bigger surprise might be the capitals since last time we did the show uh they all got covid uh and then they all got hurt and yet they like beat the Islanders the other night with like justin schultz getting the game winning goal they've this is a classic like Peter Laviolette's making this team better on a fundamental subatomic level. Kind of, kind of win. Um, what do you think of the of the East so far, Lambert?
0: Yeah, I mean the the thing with the Rangers uh, is it was always it was always going to be dependent on whether they could get the goaltending right. Like if if they had that, then they were going to be at least competitive, if not you know actually a, a legitimate playoff team. And they haven't gotten a fucking save all year. And part of that is the defense isn't particularly good, and David Quinn doesn't exactly have uh, a wealth of good options to choose from uh, on that blue line. But at the same time, you know, the Rangers weren't, probably weren't going to make the playoffs in that division anyway, so what does it matter if they're fifth or eighth or whatever they are? You know, I think at the end of the day, you're just like, yeah, sure, the Rangers aren't good. I think we expected that. Um Yeah, the other the other one I think is is the Bruins uh, are are scoring goals now, and if that holds up, look out, right? Like that's that was the big that and the defense were the big question marks, and uh, they're they're putting the puck in the net. So there you go. Trent, are you even watching the fucking East
2: because you're in that Canadian division? That's been a big thing this week. Like like Elliot Friedman apologizing for. not paying attention to the rest of the league because the Canadian division is like crack rock, uh, and all you do, <laughs> all you want to do is just like hang out there. Are you, are you paying attention to like the
1: East? I am, but not the same way I usually do. You know, I, I will say not. I'm not watching the same volume of hockey out involving American teams that I u- used to or that I do all the time, but not this season. Just because there's so much Canadian hockey that I got to watch, and so many different. Matthew, like so many different cities in this country that are angry at Matthew Kachuk for something, uh, that, I, that that's just soaking up a lot of my attention.
2: Hmm. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And, and yeah. my, uh, my one prediction before the season that that has already come true is that Matthew Kachuk would make a bunch of really great new friends in his new division. <laughs> and it's definitely happening. Uh, oh, yeah. this, the central, um, Oh, I, we think, I think we talked about this briefly on the opponent's episode, Lambert. Uh, Mike and Jason in in, in Canada are our, our friends, the, the Curtin bloggers, have come to start calling the uh Scotia uh West division the Skosh, Um <laughs> which I, I don't I, I, I hear hasn't necessarily been adopted. But can we I I mean I, I, I would have absolutely no problem calling the Discover Central division the disco. Yeah, you tried this it, joke lever, yesterday shot, too, it didn't. You didn't shot that over. down. Yeah, you hated it. Yeah, it stinks. Anyway it In the Disco, the Predators are first, and then Columbus is second. The Blackhawks, as we all predicted, are third, but they're only third because there are three teams in the division that have only played three games so far. Uh, Dallas, uh, Team Unity, Herd herd Immunity, uh, Florida, and of course Carolina uh, are all dealing with uh, a bunch of delays and and postponed games. It's a real fucked up division. And Lambert, you were talking about the fact that they're going to have to cram a lot of hockey in to a very short period of time in order to like get their seasons done and, and what does that mean for this division
0: yeah uh chris johnson tweeted out like the actual math behind it the other day and i don't have the tweet in front of me now but it was something along the lines of you know every like dallas tampa carolina and florida are because they're all uh, they all had like games delayed or postponed or whatever you want to say uh are all gonna have to play like 50-plus games in about 100, 102 days, something like that. And it's like, oh, those guys are going to get ground into dust. Like, uh, I'm, yes. I'm taking Tampa off my uh, Stanley Cup pick board because it's like by the end of the season, all those guys are going to have been playing a game every other day for like six months straight. <laughs> <laughs> um.
2: We, we uh, Drance, we didn't talk about the uh, dubois Linea trade last week because it happened um, after, after we recorded, we re- re- recorded yeah. as, as per usual. Um, I reiterate, like the greatest after-we-recorded thing in the history of Puck Soup was the, the time that Lozo and I did an entire podcast full of like chuckles and dick jokes and references to Ocean Eleven. And then two minutes after like we, we got done recording and we are uploading the file, uh, Gordy Howe died. And we're just like, ah. Oh. Uh. I'm like, do you have an extra 15 minutes to tack on the beginning of this episode? Because we really need to address <laughs> this. Uh, but anyways, on a lighter note, uh, Dubois got traded. What was your take on the Lion-Dubois trade?
1: Yeah, I, for me, I think it's a win for Columbus, personally. And the reason is is that they got Roslovic as well. Like, lion is obviously a rarer type of piece than PLD. And, and that's, you know, they're both rare pieces. It's hard to get... Uh, number one center as young as PLD is. But, you know, the... Like, Lyonnais doesn't need to do a ton to round out his game. Like, he doesn't need to become a two-way force. He just needs to find one different way to score goals mm-hmm. than, than being a lethal natural distance shooter. And he, he's going to be one of the best scoring wingers in this league. And and in Roslevic, like, I look at that as a, a chance to pull a reverse William Carlson, right? Mm-hmm. This is Columbus's Ooh. chance to to get a guy who has that Golden Knights effect, a, a guy that, in my view, honestly, has the skill to be a genuine top-six center, he was just never going to get that opportunity in Winnipeg. He will in Columbus. And and I think he could be a totally different player than he was on his former team with the type of opportunity that he's clearly going to get um, in Columbus under Tortorella. So, honestly, I think considering the situation they were in with PLD getting benched and, you know, not trying at all uh, and forcing their hand, uh, they get two pieces I really like, one of whom's, you know, directly comparable, and the other of whom I think is far more valuable than the third round pick they paid. Uh, okay. I think they made by far the best of a bad situation.
2: I kind of agree. I, I liked I like this a lot for Columbus. I, I agree with Kekalina that I actually think Line is a bit of an underrated playmaker, if not A line driver, Um, you know, as far as his ability to do more than just score goals, Um, and and I think in 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 this deal, they clearly got the player with the most with the highest ceiling too. Yes,
0: Um, absolutely,
2: and and I think Mm -hmm. that's a real a real big thing. Um, So let me let me put out the give me a a rating from one to ten. One being complete bullshit, ten being I kind of believe it on reasons that Pierre-Luc Dubois left Columbus. Well,
0: hold on. Can I can I just say the only uh the only like concern I would have with uh with saying Columbus is when's, when's the trade in a walk? You know, like is Patrick Laine uh, still a restricted free agent and what if he uh, doesn't like playing for John Tortorella? Wouldn't be the first time that happened and then you get what maybe 2 years of him and he's like okay have a good one goodbye uh, you know what i mean true, like the, i, I the think knife, that's the a, knife
2: cuts, the knife cuts both ways though i mean what if pierre luc dubois discovers that winnipeg doesn't have any parks
0: well, right? no i yeah. but but we're already saying winnipeg hasn't <laughs> didn't win the trade right like right, right, so okay. That's certainly that's certainly true but like the only reservation i have is if the trade ends up being well, our coach uh, pissed off uh, a, a number one center or a future number one center, a guy who's getting there, that kind of thing. Um, and also, uh, it, it doesn't even have to be that Line A doesn't like playing for Torrelle. He doesn't like the city. He do, he wants to explore other options. Whatever it is, if you're trading Pierre Luc Dubois for a year and a half, two years of Patrick Line A. And Jack Roslovic, who couldn't get into Winnipeg's top six, then that maybe swings it back. But yeah, I I, I think on, on paper, you definitely have to give it to, to Winnipeg or uh, to Columbus right now that they, that they uh, won the trade. All right. One to ten. One
2: being bullshit, ten being I kind of believe it. Here are the three theories on Pierre Luc Dubois leaving Columbus because he refuses to say why he did. Theory number one. He wanted a larger stage. Give me a 1 to 10 ranking on that theory, Lambert.
1: Uh 7. Drance. I'll go 6. I, I doesn't it like you can't want a bigger stage and then be happy with Winnipeg, and he seems to be happy with Winnipeg.
2: The answer is 10 because uh everybody uh would his D during the playoffs and made him feel like Jonathan Taves. <laughs> <laughs> and he wanted to be a superstar somewhere.
0: Well, the the other thing to say about that is, in terms of especially this year, as as we've just mentioned, uh, everybody's paying attention to every game in Canada like it's Game Seven of the Stanley Cup, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, right. So exactly. like, this is true. <laughs> so, like, yeah, okay. They they have the, it's the smallest market in the league. It's the smallest building in the league. But like, people are like. He's going to be in a situation where he goes to any restaurant post COVID. Obviously, uh, you know he's walking down the street in Winnipeg and people are like, "Ah, it's Pierre Luc Dubois! Oh my god!" Whereas in Columbus, they only do that for like the backup linebacker for Ohio State.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, are you saying? Are you saying he'd (laughs) he'd rather be covered like a star in a a market than have to be like the third story behind who's the long snapper for Ohio State this year? That's exactly. I get
0: it. That's exactly right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, theory number two uh, John Tortorella uh, Wore him down Forced him out He doesn't want to play for torts uh, One to ten Eight and, and a half it.
0: Ooh, Oh Oh Fe- Fellini Or is that nine I, and I'm a half g- Nine and a half is I'm three. going <laughs> <laughs> No wait Is it eight and a half Now I forget Because they made that stupid movie That's like an adaptation of it Well they made nine to five Which wasn't Fellini That was Dolly Parton Yeah um. It's, no, it's eight and a half. You're right. The, you were right. Thank you. Time. Yes, so I made mean, such a good. Or was it, that Bergman? A was it Fellini? Or Bur- no, it is Fellini. Eight and a half. Federico. Fuck.
1: I, I'm so good at jokes. Drance, uh One to ten. Three. I think. I don't think players hate playing for Tortorella as much as the reputation might indicate. I think I would. I would put it at a four and a half. I do think that
2: if given the choice, you'd probably want to play for Paul Maurice than John Tortorella in theory. Um, yeah. I do think that – I do believe Dubois when he says that that Torts' tough love m- made him a better player. Um, and I also think, Trance, that like the Tortorella reputation s- still remains intact from his earlier tour stops and from his occasional battles with the media um, because I don't think he's the same coach internally that he had been uh, mm. in like New York or Vancouver. I think he's mellowed a little bit.
1: Even all the old Canucks guys, like even Luongo, who he legitimately forced out, right? Like he legitimately yeah. forced Luongo out with the Heritage Classic boondoggle. Oh my even
2: god! Even Luongo,
1: right. even Luongo still likes the guy. Like yeah. it's it's awkward, but they but he likes the guy. He's like, yeah, he was honest with me at least, you know. Well, so, I mean, I don't know.
0: The the only thing overplay- to say
1: is again, like uh, it, the
0: only I think that it was a situation where it was this. I mean, this has been more widely reported now, but the original report, I think, was a, a French-language CBC report that said uh, Dubois was like, I don't know, I mean, I don't think you're going to be able to keep Wierenski and Jones and, you know, all the other good players that, and, like, I don't want to end up being Rick Nash, where I'm the only good player on the team because everybody else, Ooh. you know... Uh, wanted out or whatever, and so I don't want to end up in that situation again. It already happened to me <laughs> once, right? OK, so let's put that – OK, so concerns about the future of the
2: franchise, 1 to 10.
0: I, I think also innate, but like what I'm, what I'm trying to get at here is – so he said that. Then the, – again, this is the CBC report – Tortorella was pissed at him for asking for a trade on that basis and, like, right. allegedly told his assistants not to talk to Dubois in in training camp. And, you know, it, the second he messed up a play, he got benched or got yelled at in the locker room or, or dressing room or whatever. And so he was just like, you know what? Fuck this. I don't – Yeah. Like, and I think – I totally, I totally buy that that, like, you know, it was the Tortorella thing, people, I think it was Elliot said, it was a reason, not the reason.
2: Well, I think, I think you're, we're talking about two different things. Like, long-term prospects for staying, reason you want to get out, Tortorella, probably like a four.
0: Yeah, okay, sure.
2: Uh, Yes. Necessity for trade now, probably like a 15. Yeah, right. (laughs) Right, because it's like
1: (laughs) getting fucking benched
2: and shit. Yeah, I mean, no, that's completely, completely understandable. Um. Finally, we come to, uh, Ryan, what I know is your favorite theory, which is that uh, Dubois uh, needed to get out of Columbus because the locker room was MAGA uh, and then was traded to Winnipeg where uh, wokester Blake Wheeler runs the locker room. Um, What do you say to that theory? Yeah,
0: that's like a a zero. That that is not – it's the funniest by far. It's the funniest, right. by far the funniest uh, explanation. But there is just absolutely no way because this is the NHL. You're like, oh, trade me from the team uh, with uh, 10 MAGA guys to the team with seven, please. Like (laughs) you're you're just not – you're not getting away from it. So –
2: I just, I just love that, like you know, fucking he walked into the locker room and like one American news network's on the TV and like fucking Seth Jones is in the corner reading no uh, fucking Josh Hawley's Facebook page and he's just looking around. And he's like, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get out of here. I give that the, I give, I give the theory too. I want, I mean, I too, because like you said, I want to believe it, but I don't think it's necessarily true. Um, but I do, I do love the uh, 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 of like you know can walk into the Winnipeg locker room and like fucking Blake Wheeler puts his arm around him. He's like, welcome to the fold, brother. Like passes him a fucking Ta-Nehisi Coates book.
0: And- yeah, gives him, a, <laughs> gives him a notorious RGB shirt.
2: RBG. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> yeah. Spike Lee movies around on the TV in the locker room. Like it's a whole thing. It's great. Um, all right. So that's the Dubois trade. Glad we broke it down in an intelligent way. Um. We did not talk about the West. Uh, Veg it, it's it's the the top three of the top three: Vegas, St. Louis, Colorado. Um, I, had, I the Vegas St. Louis game the other night was the most fun game outside of anything that's happened in the Canadian division this year. That game was fucking bonkers and fun as shit. Yeah, it rocked. Uh, co- Colorado is just starting to steamroll people. The McKinnon line, as of this broadcast, by the way, has yet to give up a goal. I think, which is fucking. I mean, come on.
0: <laughs> oh boy.
2: Um, the uh, and then you got this scramble for that last spot that we all ceded to the wild. Um, Gibson's gibsoning the ducks. The Kings are a little bit better than expected, and Kopitar is playing incredibly well. And Which then, is why they're you know, better than
0: expected. He wasn't right. that. And good then last you
2: have year. right, and then you have San Jose. He was better, but he was better last year than he was the previous year. Sure. Then you have San Jose, who on some nights looks like a playoff team, and on other nights looks like they should be fucking looks like relegated. The San
0: Jose Sharks. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then you have Arizona, who's doing exactly what Arizona should do, which is to be as bad as possible. Um, um, probably
0: beyond this season. Lambert, your, your take on the West so far? Yeah, I think I think the the big the big I don't I don't think you should call it a surprise necessarily, but like the the big thing that's making it interesting is that uh, John Gibson's really like playing out of his mind right now. I don't think he keeps it up but I've been saying this kind of a lot lately is like I'm way I'm going to be way less going. It looks like they're just getting really lucky though. You know, because uh it's a it's a 56 game schedule and if you're lucky for 10 games in a row or 10 out of 12 or whatever it is, uh you're in the playoffs. Like that's just how it's going to work this year. And yeah. like I think like I said, I don't think Gibson keeps it up, but like as long as they keep banking points, what what are you gonna say, really? You know, and and yeah, Colorado's starting to look really good, but they have, you know, they have the same record as, as the Wild do, and uh, and the same number of points as LA and Anaheim, but obviously uh, different games played there and that kind of thing. Point being, like. Yeah, it's it's almost certainly going to end up Vegas, St. Louis, Colorado, in some order. But now, I was I was pretty convinced Minnesota was going to be fairly comfortable, uh, you know, uh, uh, getting into that fourth spot. And now I'm less convinced of that. That's the only difference. Gotcha. Uh,
2: what about you, Trance? Do you okay. believe in the Kings at all, or no?
1: No, no, I don't believe in any of the <laughs> California teams. I, I like Minnesota. I, I think Minnesota is going to get there. Like the thing that people ignore about Minnesota is everyone looks at the shiny new thing, obviously in Kaprizov. But I like like the Foligno, um, all uh, sorry Yoel, uh, Erickson, Ek. Like they have this uh, the Greenway, like the class of you know twenty five year old grinder. Right. that They have like those players are good. They're just not like good enough to win you a playoff series but they're good enough to be a pain in the ass against mediocre teams in the regular season i think that's what's going to put minnesota over the top and also uh as much as my focus has been intensely on the north division uh the skosh as it were uh <laughs> by- byram McCar is appointment viewing for me right yeah, now oh yeah. like i can't i can't turn that off it's the best they're, they're tremendous, and I'll watch it even though I have no idea what sort of, um, you know, marketing exec on an acid trip screwed up the Avs uniforms this season, <laughs> uh, but I still can't turn it off, despite the fact that the Avalanche are, like, the coolest team on hockey that looks like shit. I, uh, I, I
2: think your your Makar uh, endorsement is only because Quinn's getting styled this year, true or false?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, definitely false. I... I I have not in any way changed my evaluation on those two players. Uh,
2: okay, yeah. All right, fair I mean, enough.
1: Qu- Qu- Quinn's getting turnstiled for sure, but like, so's everybody. Vancouver. <laughs> Vancouver. <laughs> Vancouver gave up three expected goals in a period to the Ottawa Senators last night. Like, yeah, it's... I'm not. I'm not sticking that on Hughes, man. Holy. It's, yeah, the whole, it's uh,
0: it, it turns out just signing a bunch of bad defensemen doesn't doesn't help your team.
2: It's no. weird. But listen, all right, let's talk about Canada for a second. And since Francis is here, we should probably focus on our sweet boys, the Canucks. I, I
0: really think that <laughs>
2: in this in this league, you have teams that have been able to get right into the, the step of the parade and teams that maybe needed a little bit more prep time before the parade started, right? And fucking, like, without a preseason to sort of navigate through this re- retooled blue line... Um, you know, to, to give the goalies a chance to kind of get into their group. Like, I, I think that, tr- correct me if I'm wrong, I think the lack of a preseason hurt Vancouver maybe a little bit more than other teams. True or false?
1: I think probably true, but I also, you know, other than, like, Nikki e- Ehlers being momentarily in the protocol and the Winnipeg Jets sort of Spending a a minute, um, you know, cancelling practice like the Canucks have been the only team that was dramatically impacted by covid protocols or by covid related absences. JT Um, Miller. And yeah, JT Miller right off the hop. He still hasn't got right. Um, We're we're now doing this thing in the Vancouver market where after the game, people ask JT Miller about his line zone time. And he argues it. He'll be like, I don't care what the shots say. Like, we spent a lot of time in the offensive zone this game. And then last night, he scores two goals. The line takes over the game in the second period. And he's like, we didn't play that well. We just scored into a couple empty nets. Like, (laughs) we had no zone time. (laughs) He's so mad all the time. But, you know, it's
2: it's interesting about the JT Miller thing. Like, obviously, he had a pretty good game this week. But um, the same kind of shit's been whispered about uh, Zabanajad. Because ad was in the was was I think in the COVID protocol, and and the thought was he's not been right since he came back either. He's not had a very good start either. So I wonder if there's something to, I don't know, the recovery of of these guys and maybe the the disease having or the the, the virus rather having a, a bit of a longer
0: tail than than people you know, give it credit for. Yeah, I, I, don't I think well, it's just not it, being on the ice with your, with your line mates and, and not being on the ice in general. Like they, they talk all the time about there's a difference between being in shape and being in hockey shape. And like, how does that affect you if you're not playing a full training camp and getting up to speed in, in exhibition games and blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I think that, let me put it this way. I think maybe the excuse of, because J.T. Miller in particular uh, had COVID, like the whole like that's bullshit, obviously. But at the mm-hmm. same time, like, look how bad Elias patterson has been this year in terms of just about every metric you want to possibly look at, you know. And he's going to turn it around. I think Quinn Hughes is going to turn it around, obviously. But yeah, uh, I, I said it already. It's get like it's getting late already. You know, we're an eighth of the way through the season for just about everybody. Or a seventh away in some cases, and it's like, well, you know what? If you had like eight bad games,
1: you might be in a lot of fucking trouble all of a sudden, right? Here's here's the here's the like. There's some fine print on the COVID protocol that I don't think is getting talked enough, which is that if you are a p- positive or a presumed positive, and J.T. Miller was a close contact, so he wasn't right. actually presumed positive or positive. Right. But uh, if you are if you are a uh, presumed positive or an in fact positive. You're, it's not just you're not able to be on the ice. You're not able to exercise. Like, to no train. Exercise. Yeah, right. That's what i was yeah. saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Yep. Um, so I'm not shocked that anyone who's going into that protocol is coming out and looking a little bit rusty. Like, you can't even do the uh, Peloton thing. Yeah. And, you know, on the Canucks' end, I mean, <laughs> like, the good thing from their perspective is at least Elias Pettersson had a good game last night against the Senators. Um, he dropped a he he had a drop pass on a breakaway considering all the pressure on him he had a drop pass with a with a breakaway opportunity to Quinn Hughes that ended up in a JT Miller goal and and that takes the sort of stones that you're looking for from that <laughs> yeah. kid right right uh, but but yeah I mean the turnovers like. It's I, I've never seen a team, honestly, manage the puck as badly as the Canucks have, uh through eight games. This guy hasn't and, and seen they the early days a-
0: of Paul Maurice in Winnipeg,
1: I guess, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh the very seriously though, the Fact of the matter is, is, this is how the Canucks' season has gone. Ten days into the season, they needed a serious sweep of the Ottawa Senators to keep their playoff hopes alive. Yep. That's right. a that's a dark timeline. Such for this is club. the Canadi- such as the Canadian
2: division. Uh, before we move on, uh, what is your take on the uh, fire Benning uh, uh, screeds that we're reading? I mean, I, I I tend to believe that this guy has some hits and misses, but his misses are are really significant, and he certainly put this team in a very disadvantageous financial position with some of his signings uh from previous seasons where where do you where are you on Jim benning
1: yeah i mean i, I was uh I was out having like a puppy play date with my buddy who's a financial planner and he was just <laughs> like if the Canucks were a financial portfolio right he he was like if they were a portfolio you'd immediately fire your manager um, I, just, I just had a good laugh at that but look the the fact of the matter is is that uh, there's a lot to criticize Benning for. Uh, the salary cap allocation during his tenure has been a disaster. It, it those chickens came home to roost this off season. But I struggle to understand how it makes sense to fire a GM seven day seven games into a season when the new coming like the incoming manager could do very little to upgrade the team anyway. And you're coming off an off season in which the franchise cut 20 percent of his player personnel budget. You know, like yeah. it's it yeah. the the timing of it didn't make sense to me. And honestly, if the organization was seriously considering it, if there was something to all the rumblings, uh, I think that would be a sign of intense intense organizational dysfunction. Um, so you know, I, I think you got to let the chips fall where they may a little bit this season. And that said, you know, clearly this organization does have a big decision to make probably a month out from the trade deadline, which is, is this the guy to finish the job? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, because at at the very least, what you got to say about Benning is with what he's drafted for the years of, you know, fitful pain, like this rebuild hasn't been smooth. There hasn't been like a grand plan exercised here, but for all of that you know o- over a 5 year span they clearly mined a fair bit of talent from the draft that's good is he the guy to finish the job that's a question you have to ask yourself but it's not one you have to ask yourself right now that's like 6 weeks away
2: right yeah apologies I, for saying JT Miller had covid by the way i just realized I should probably say that i thought he had it but you're right i think it was just in the protocol right because yeah. he's had a close yeah. contact okay
0: yeah it's yeah. um i think i th- i really think the big the big problem for for Benning is, A, that he lost so much talent, obviously, because of all the reasons we just said, but also um, almost all of it went to, uh, the or stayed in the division, and yep. like, they, they, you know, <laughs> like, Tyler Toffoli <laughs> looks fucking incredible for the Habs all of a sudden, in his, and it's like, well, I guess, you know, uh, we can we can put Louis Erickson on the taxi squad instead of having that money. <laughs> um, and, you know, Jacob Marks, like, he hasn't been lights out for the Flames, but he's been good, you know, he's been certainly above average, and uh, Chris Tanev looks fine for now. That was never going to be the problem with that contract, and and so, you know, the teams you're now directly competing against, they have all your good players, and you replace them with almost nothing, and, you know, like... You you, Greg. You tweeted it the other day of like, so what's wrong with the Canucks? And it's like, well, everything anybody would have like said is a worst case scenario for has happened has has exactly happened and completely right. Yeah, and like so, it's the problem is that it's all foreseeable stuff. And should Benning have foreseen all that? Yeah, definitely. But also, like, what could he do? He tied his own hands, so he was like, oh boy, that looks like a uh, a train is coming right at me, and then the train hit him. You know? Ah. <laughs> 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 he's, t- uh. he's tied himself to the tracks. Yeah, like it's,
2: that's a fucking, exactly right. You know, <laughs> that's funny. Um, before we move on, since we have you here, Trance, what the fuck's going on with Travis Green? Why are they dicking him around?
1: Well, it's money. I mean, it's money. Like, the everything about this organization right now is, you know, the seams are showing everywhere. I mean, that's just what it is, right? Like, the, uh, the Canucks are basically the pride lands after a decade of scars rule you know what i'm saying like <laughs> visible rib cages and on and on like this is just a lean organization and it extends to everything from their ahl like their ahl affiliate isn't just playing in the united states two weeks removed it's shared with the st louis blues right like everything is being done on a shoestring mm-hmm. and and i think that's why uh, green's getting dicked around and and you know the fact it is, is that's ridiculous because you get into the spot where, like, right now, Adam Gaudet is a healthy scratch for the Canucks, right? Adam Gaudet's a 23-year-old player, high work rates, a centerman who scored at a 40-point rate for them last season. And he's he's a healthy scratch at the moment. And, and you just have to think, like, is that the call that a GM who's invested long t- – or, sorry, a coach who's invested long-term makes? Or is it – the call that a coach who, you know, needs to protect his reputation this season makes, right? And and that's not a fair sort of spot to put your coach into, where every time he, you know, doesn't send Louis Erickson to the American League and dare him to report for 700K, right? Like, every time, every decision they make now, it has to be, like, viewed through this prism of, does that make sense for the coach or the organization long-term, or does it make sense yeah. for the coach this season? Uh that's it's just completely unfair to a guy who is, you know, clearly I, I clearly an above average NHL bench boss, um, you know, with a chance to be better than that if he ever has a team with enough horses to, you know, be worth riding home about. So yeah. no, I mean it's it's silly. The only the only thing that gives me pause is while the Canucks have been, you know, pretty cheap about how they're operating in the short term, they haven't been Afraid necessarily to make longer-term investments. Like I, I think they're still optimistic about this franchise's like financial positioning into the future. Yeah, Louis Erickson, and, Tyler
0: Myers, these are great long-term investments. Oh, you're talking about something <laughs> else.
1: But the but the like the logic of a green extension is it's like it wouldn't kick in. Until next season anyway and you can stagger coaches contracts doing all sorts of things like there's no reason you couldn't have him you know make 1.5 million next year with like a ratchet to two million if you have fans in the building right and then and then sort of go up so that his you know contract value ends up at that like three 3.2 um, you know which would represent league average for NHL bench bosses. Uh, I, there's no reason you couldn't structure a deal to mitigate your risk and have the guy locked in. The fact that they haven't done that does suggest to me anyway, that with two years remaining after this one on Jim Benning's contract, those years, uh, it's not believed they're fully guaranteed. The organization might be looking at this season as one wonder- evaluate everybody uh, before figuring yeah. out and charting the next direction. And that's sort of the one thing also that gave me pause when the Benning rumors started to fly. Is how much are those situations connected? Uh, because otherwise, like as much as you know, this Canucks team has been mindful of their balance sheet this offseason, uh, The the logic of what's going on with Green doesn't quite square with that entirely because of when he'd actually be getting a big raise.
2: Real quick, what do you put? What odds do you put on him going to Seattle?
1: Oh, I mean. Knowing, knowing Canuck's luck, right? Like seeing Markstrom in Calgary, Tanov in Calgary suggests to me that it's got to be like 80%. <laughs> like, like for sure that's happening, right? And honestly, I think he'd be a good fit for an organization that has clearly built uh, themselves out to be pretty open-minded, uh-huh. um, pretty progressive. I, I think there's a lot of reasons to like that fit for Green if that were the way it went.
2: Well, you can't bet on that, but you can bet on a lot of stuff at my bookie. That's a a sponsor great That's too easy. Easy eight. An Easy eight, thank you. Uh, it's that time of year when everything is desi- decided in the National Football League. Obviously, the big old game is coming up too, and my bookie is your place to uh, get some action on that game, but also get nightly action on the national hockey league which is the thing that you like if you're listening to this dumb podcast You've heard the name just around everywhere, MyBookie, the industry's leading online sportsbook and casino. It's not hard to understand why. With thousands of lines to bet on all of your favorite sports, they've got all the latest odds, period. Take advantage of MyBookie's prop builder and live in-game betting. Man, I really wish I had taken some action on that Vegas game the other night. Um, Where every single run, throw, touchdown, and goal is another chance for you to put cash in your pocket. Visit their mobile-friendly website today and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Just use the promo code PUCK, P-U-C-K, when you make your first deposit. The best part is they make it simple with a variety of ways to deposit instantly, including credit card, bank transfer, Bitcoin. Not sure if they take GameStop stock. Uh, You'll have to check in with my bookie, but... Bitcoin for sure. Whether you're at home or on the go, on your laptop or on your phone, it's not too late to make your New Year's resolution a resolution to get paid. Again, get your first deposit matched halfway up to $1,000 with promo code PUCK, bet, win, and get paid at my bookie. All right, uh, a couple things before we head out. Baseball Hall of Fame. I just wanted to know, Drance, because I honestly don't know where you stand on this. Where do you stand on the steroid guys getting into the Baseball Hall of Fame?
1: Oh, yeah, let him in. Why, why wouldn't you let him in? They did amazing stuff. They did amazing stuff. In fact, I find baseball much less interesting now that there's not guys the size of brick houses <laughs> mashing 450. Um, yeah, no, I mean, why wouldn't you let him in? It's ridiculous. I love the people, too, who are like, oh, I don't know if I can vote for Clemens because of character issues. But Kurt Schilling, oh, boy, he's a guaranteed first ballot guy. It's like, what? What are you talking about? Who gives a fuck? Anyway, that's my view.
2: I think that's fair. Uh, I also think that in the cases of Clemens and Bonds, in particular, the I've always I've always bought the idea that they were Hall of Famers before the juice. Uh, in theory, like like Barry Bonds was the best left fielder in baseball, like hands down, even when he was a, a twig with the with the Pirates. Uh, Roger Clemens was Roger Clemens in, in 1986, you know, before the juice. Like I, I I I've always felt like that part of it was a bit overstated Now, granted maybe they uh, achieved legendary status through uh, means but again my problem with baseball is always like we know these guys did it or at least we're sure these guys did it how many of those guys don't we know that did it yep and in an era that was clearly the steroid era the idea that you're gonna fucking pull these guys out of a lineup is insane to me when everybody was cheating
0: you know? Yes. So. Yeah, you're, you're no, never so going to know what percentage of Major League Baseball was doing the same thing those guys were. So, you know, like, whole I don't know. Barry Bonds uh, hit a shitload of home runs against guys who were also juicing. So, like, do, does that cancel it out? <laughs> you know? I don't know. I, I would say it does. But I also, I just, I think Barry Bonds rocks. I, you know, one of my favorite players of all time. So, <laughs> The shilling thing is weird for me because, like, I, you know, like, I take
2: obvious glee in, in him losing his fucking mind, not getting in. Like, that's great. He's he's a horrible person. Um, you know, wishing the death on journalists is not something that I uh, generally find to be an appeal, appealing thing in any human being. Um, but the character clause thing in the Hall of Fame always, to me, struck me as, like... The things that you did
0: while you were a player—it's well, all—it was also um, just introduced to like keep black people out of the <laughs> out of the Hall of well, Fame. Yeah. So. Okay, yeah, so it's got it's got it's got some problems fundamentally
2: yeah. uh, with its introduction. But I I go I go back and forth on it. Like I'm not saying that he belongs in the Hall of Fame. I mean obviously like um, you know I, I, I'm not going to treat the Baseball Hall of Fame with the fucking sanctimony that baseball writers do where they film themselves voting and that you know, video make, <laughs> goddamn ruled. it was so Fucking Ken Burns documentary so yeah. Good. It's – it's I mean how, how many parodies of that are we going to see around awards time? Oh, yeah. You know, for the <laughs> PHWA. Um, but like but like there's also a part of me that's like, I you know, if he's good enough as a player to get in but he's a scumbag, I don't know where I
0: fall on that. I mean I I'd have trouble in, voting you know, for him because like, he's a the, scumbag. That's the but, thing everybody always says but Ty Cobb's in and so like the character yeah. thing doesn't really matter if – if he uh beats up a, a guy in a wheelchair or whatever i don't remember what that story was now but like uh, remember that 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 happened everybody knows it it's not like that was a secret yeah. so yeah
1: all right, listen Also, it wasn't it wasn't illegal at the time, right? Like the the, the this is every baseball writer is basically the NHL administering cap recapture. <laughs> um, you can't you can't you can't retroactively punish guys for things that weren't illegal at the time because you're all precious. That's ludicrous. Doesn't make sense. It's yeah. crazy, nuts. It's insane. That's my view on it. Gotta yeah. gotta. If you need to build a steroid wing to to make you feel a little bit more comfortable and yeah. like. Slightly keep those guys askew from the rest of the pool, do it. But you're, you're basically just not telling the story of 15 years of baseball history, which doesn't make yeah, sense. And the, yeah, and the other thing to say uh, is that next year apparently David Ortiz is eligible,
0: and he got caught with PEDs, and everybody loves David Ortiz. So is that going to matter to people? We'll find out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, a eligible the, next year. That's going to be
2: a fun. Roger one. Clemens is the uh, Ilya Kovalchuk of, uh, of, of the Baseball Hall of Fame. That's right. All about Capper capture, real quick couple things. Uh, we do want to mention the NWHL bubble, which has been uh, a lot of fun to watch if you 're not watching the games on Twitch, you should watch them um, they 're they're, they're cool like if you're if you 're flipping around the dial on NHL games and you 're like i, I don 't feel like watching the uh, second period of Dallas and Detroit waiting for their first shot on goal for fifteen minutes. Uh, flip on the NWHL It's, it's been good hockey uh, The big news this week obviously was the huge uh, Kerfuffle between Barstool and the NWHL uh, Writers, fans, and then players As uh, Sonoya Tinker Got involved Not going to belabor the point There are people that have um, A lot more skin in the game than Three white dudes uh, to comment on this um, But just briefly like From a PR standpoint, it is amazing to me how Barstool is so adept at this, where the gripe for people was about the the organization writ large and its history and its tactics and the way that they willfully dispatch people to attack their critics without any repercussion or, in this case, even pulling back the reins. And then the reaction from Barstool is to center and Nardini and say, these are heinous attacks on our, our CEO, who is a girl boss and a respected. Yeah, I can't person. believe liberal and, feminism got weaponized like this. That never happened. Yeah, it it, it is incredible. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm I'm watching the fucking Dave Portnoy video where he's saying that you know Sonoya Tinker should be in fucking jail, which is just beyond the the goddamn pale to say shit like that, especially in this climate. And I'm thinking to myself, this is this is the reason people don't want the NWHL to be in business with Barstool. It's this man speaking right now? And then like. The entirety of Barstool says, stop calling our CEO white supremacist. I'm like, you did an amazing job. Like, the fucking shell game these guys play sometimes when they get criticized is incredible. The other thing they do when they get criticized that is incredible is something that I've always known about Barstool that I don't quite know why people haven't really picked up on, which is that it's just Howard Stern shit, but like 30 years later. It is is, uh, doing something outrageous, getting criticism for it, and then taking that criticism and not only acting as if you're the aggrieved party, but then taking that aggrieved party thing and making it into content. How many fucking radio shows, Twitter accounts, social media videos were created off the back of the NWHL versus Erica Dardini war this week? Like fucking a day's worth? Two days yeah, worth? more than that. Like, yeah. it is, it is incredible. And, and, and again, as every time this comes up I, and, and I'm talking to somebody offline about it, I'm just like, follow the playbook. It's the same thing every time. I mean, it, it is just—it is not rocket surgery to figure out how they do this because part of the brand is aggrievement. Part of the brand is, you know, they—they they hate us because they ain't us. And it was really f- interesting to see how many barstool people came out against the NWHL from a perspective of, don't you want their money? Because, like, you know. They, they, every day, they have to deal with the fact that they work for an organization that has the reputation that it has. And they've got to make the decision do I, you know, want to face up to the reputation this this organization has or do I want to cash the check? And they cash the check, which is their right. That's fine. But it's really funny to see them looking at another, another organization and being like, why don't you want to cash the check? Because I do, which is essentially what the NWHL issue was this week. So I don't know. It, it, I, I hate seeing people attacked um but i'm also in awe of how efficient the barstool uh uh reaction cycle is it's been happening for years and uh it's it's an art at this point um also uh it'd be great if soroya tinker didn't have to be the first person to speak out as a player It, it it reminded me very much of the evander kane deal where like evander kane had to uh pull the cork on talking about black lives matter and and george floyd's death and then everybody decided they were comfortable with it um we got we we, it it does not have to keep falling on black players to fucking lead the charge for change in hockey and it and we
0: keep saying that every time it happens and yet it always happens like it has to because uh you know because
2: everybody's on the fucking fence yeah that's it's hockey that's the point I give her multitudes of credit. She's an amazing person to begin with. Like, you know, she's worked with the Black Girl Hockey Club in developing a scholarship program. She does mentorship. She has used her platform as a player in a way that blows your mind that someone that young could be that smart about the opportunity they've been given to have a voice and have a platform. But the fact that she had to be the first one to put her shingle out there and, and stick up for people that were getting attacked. Um, it's fucking stomach churning at this point where it, uh, every single time that falls on a black player to, to move this issue forward. Um, so I don't know. It, it's, it's got to change at some point. Uh, Drance, you're up against it. Do you want to, you want to head out and then Lambert uh, and I could do the last bit or what?
1: Sounds good. Yeah. Sorry. I've got, a uh, have got my radio hit no. with, uh, Jason and Jason and Bruff. Uh, they're going to call me shortly, so I better uh, make sure yeah. I'm prepared for that. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, chance. listen,
2: before you go, where can people find your stuff?
1: Oh, The Athletic. I have uh, Athletic Vancouver. I write about the Canucks all the time. Sometimes I write about other teams, but not really. And also I have a podcast called The VanCast. I do it with Jeff Patterson. Um, it's very dry. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to know everything about the Canucks, it's a very dry Canucks podcast. No, we have a lot of fun. And, and, uh, and that- then I'll be on TSN 1040. Awesome. That,
2: now that, that podcast you're talking about, like uh, Dodge Caravans and Plymouth Voyagers and other types <laughs> yeah. of vans, or well,
1: mostly mostly it's about strategies for living in your van. Uh, oh, because oh. you know th- this is Vancouver and real estate is pricey. I, uh, so I, yeah, I, that's I, that's really it's more <laughs> about like good good mobile appliances. Um, to help you live a good life in your van, yeah.
2: Well, sir, as a as a dedicated fan of <laughs> Love It or List It, too. Uh, yes, I I am fully aware of Vancouver's housing uh, situation. <laughs> Thank you, sir, for joining us this week, and uh, it was good to, good to talk to you again, buddy. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me, gents Cheers, sure, brother. There he goes, Thomas Strantz, ladies and gentlemen. All right, Lambert thanks, and I guys. will will uh, close out the show with a little overrated, underrated. You had a couple of of, of options here um that were interesting but i i 'll leave it to you to uh to choose okay we had action leading men we had uh cheeses cookie types and brands or gretzky things
0: let 's do Gretzky things
2: all right in honor of the the man himself 's sixtieth birthday didn 't hear about it when was that happy birthday to the great one um all right here we go uh Gretzky things overrated gretzky thing uh cheese what would it be? Um, <laughs> overrated Gretzky thing would be. Uh, what 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 record should I pick? Yeah, I is the I, question. Th- I
0: think um the overrated Gretzky thing is probably uh just the fact that like oh can you believe he he scored all these all these points it's incredible uh no I mean it's the nineteen eighties. You know, like, <laughs> like honestly, it, it, the fact. I, I think he is the greatest uh, offensive player ever. I, I think that would be very difficult to dispute because of the whole thing of like, if he's never scored a goal, you know, he'd be the all-time uh, points leader in the league. Um, no, you know what? I'm going to change it. It's the fucking. You miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. Quote.
2: Yeah, that's a good choice. I'll, I'll, I'll get down and agree with that. That is. Uh... Be- a part of his legacy and a, a very uh, overrated thing that I think the office obviously co-opted. At yeah, well,
0: th- Under- the other thing I wanted to say about it, though, is I recently was looking at old Gretzky stuff, and um, it's really funny because, like, it was a quote that he gave to Bob McKenzie, like, when he was on pace for, like, early in a season, he was on pace for, like, 500 Shots on goal, or some crazy fucking number like that. And, um, and so, you know, he said, I people always say, you know, you got to shoot more, you got to shoot more. And I always say you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, but only maybe three or five percent uh, go in if you do take them. And it's like, Wayne, you might want to run those numbers back, bud. I mean, <laughs> I I don't know off the top of my head what Wayne Gretzky's shooting percentage is, but I'm going to assume it's higher than, like, Mark Giordano's.
2: Um, Underrated Gretzky would be Stephen Brunt's book, uh, Gretzky's Tears, uh, which covers his time in Los Angeles. I feel like his time at Edmonton has been covered and covered and covered and covered again. This was the first time, outside of maybe a little bit of that... um, 30 for 30, where his his career in L.A. was really uh, brought to light for me. And the impact that he had in L.A. from a celebrity point of view is fucking incredible to view through today's lens. Um, so that would be an underrated. I don't think people really talk about that book at all, and uh, and I really loved it. If you ever get a, you get a chance, you should check it out.
0: Um, my underrated Gretzky thing is... Uh <laughs> the the fact that when they started doing, like, fantasy hockey, uh, Wayne Gretzky was so good at scoring goals and assists that uh, they had to start breaking it up between Gretzky assists and Gretzky goals. He was two separate players because if you were picking first, you picked Wayne Gretzky, and the season was over. Right. <laughs> I think that's right. so funny. Like, uh, again— you can you can talk all you want about like oh, Mario Lemieux is fucking incredible and you know he's probably is the greatest hockey player of all time we mentioned it earlier but with that having been said they uh didn't break up his stat line to make it fair for everybody else right you know like that's how good Wayne Gretzky was and how outside the norm his uh his scoring efficiency if nothing else was was he was just like you know what uh we got to we got to do this. We got to we got to not mm. <laughs> not let uh people just win automatically. My favorite Gretzky
2: thing is his ubiquity. Like the fact that when I was a kid there was a hockey player that was put on the same plat- plateau as Jordan, Magic, Bird, like Mario was great um and people know the name but gretzky gretzky was iconic in a way that no hockey player in my lifetime has ever been yeah you know it's it's the the,
0: same it's the same uh gimmick as like you know nobody else hosted mario Lemieux never hosted snl right like that's if you want to put it that simply that's true to have an icon like that like like you know like Gretzky's our
2: Pele, you know. Gretzky's our Muhammad Ali. Like Gretzky is our guy whose name is so synonymous with the sport um, that it, it's almost like he he's become an adjective and a verb and a noun. And and it's uh, to have somebody like that associated with hockey still kind of blows my mind. And uh, and I I will always that's my single most favorite thing about Gretzky is that we have a player where even if you if you walk up to anybody in the fucking world and you're just like Wayne Gretzky they're like a oh, hockey player like that's incredible to me that this sport that otherwise is like tucked into the pocket of 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 popular culture uh and then washed uh in the washing machine uh you know like fucking like and it comes out in the Lint the link Trap, um, the fact that we have a player that, that, is, that is that internationally and globally popular and generationally popular is just blow, mind-blowing to me.
0: Yeah, I, I think my favorite Gretzky stat of all time is he's the only player to score 200 <laughs> points in a season and he did it four times. <laughs> like I, That's incredible. Yeah, I, I, Mar- Mario, I think, got it once. Like, he did it one time. Um, or no, he... he Got to um, 199 points and played, you know, eight fewer games than he could have because he was Mario Demi and he missed time, like, uh, pretty much as, like, a standard thing in his career, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, he's the only guy who's even gotten close, I'm pretty sure. So the fact that Gretzky was like, oh, yeah, I did it, like, four times. No big deal.
2: Right. Um, Least favorite thing about Gretzky... Uh, I mean, it's got to be the St. Louis stint, right? <laughs> like, yeah, I think like, that's a good one it, 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 it all makes sense Edmonton, sure, absolutely He's the Canada's favorite son L.A., He he sparked a wave of western expansion And unprecedented popularity for the sport in the state of California New York,
0: absolutely Messier's there It's Broadway It's a great place to say goodbye and then St. Louis. Yeah, it's really funny to me that he played in the two, two of like the biggest mar- like media markets in the world. Yeah. And then he also played in St. Louis and Edmonton. Right. And like Edmonton he didn't have any control over cuz he signed with a team in Indianapolis when he was like 16 or something and then they were just like uh this is an Edmonton team now. Um Yeah. Okay,
2: it's like fine. it's like if Le, it's like if LeBron if Le, LeBron went from like Cleveland to Miami to Memphis and then to that's, LA. That's
0: exactly <laughs> what it is.
2: Yes. <laughs> All right, that's Sue for this week. A fun episode. Thanks to our buddy Thomas Durant for pinch hitting for uh, Down Goes Brown. Uh, Sean, if you heard the bonus episode on the Patreon on one for one trades, uh, busy week for our boy. Uh, so um, Dranser was nice enough to hop in and. Uh, Bring his uh, boisterous chuckle and insight on the Canucks to the podcast this week. And we always like talking to Thomas. Um, Eventually, we might get back to having guests when it's a little bit easier to do it without the Zoom and all that bullshit. Um, Because it's always fun to talk to different people. Uh, You can find my stuff on ESPN. Good news for my Canadian fans uh, or readers. Readers is better than fans. I don't want to sound like a fucking megalomaniac. Uh, Apparently, my ESPN Plus stuff has been, the word is Ungated. Uh so international readers should be able to ne- finally have access to my columns and stuff without being uh subscribers. Uh so if that's the case, hopefully it is. Congratulations. You can you can read my stuff again. I have obviously something on Jim Rutherford uh and the penguins this week, um and uh some other cool stuff cooking
0: uh in the near future. Uh uh what do you got, Lambert? Uh yeah, sign up for the Puck Soup Patreon. Um uh stick to sports the newsletter yeah bonus episodes mm-hmm. right um and also keep an eye out i will have uh a new uh i don't know if you want to say landing spot or something uh oh next week i don't know if i'm allowed to say it yet so uh, oh just keep an eye out for that uh yeah starting keep on, that on the Monday. download In the flippity flop
2: cool uh and then also if you're on the patreon i did uh, publish a uh, a pop culture feature last week about how much i was uh mad at the new name that tune for uh cheating basically its own established rules um i watched that show again last night i i do enjoy name that tune from a structural standpoint and have to say that i did not realize how much part of uh uh my life would suck without you by kelly clarkson is reminiscent of lady gaga's edge of glory and would have gotten that song wrong in the golden medley round so I, I live with much shame and embarrassment speaking
0: of which have you uh have uh fox game shows have you watched uh the chase the the new oh i'm a huge fan of it's the chase so yeah it's on good. abc oh my god yeah i i was a fan
2: of the chase back when it was the, the beast the big fat british guy um they used to have that show on game show network and uh was a big fan of the show then uh I still uh, Miss Brooke Burns was the the host and she was great uh but that show is a ton of fun structurally great uh i i do wonder if there was a way to make the final round a little bit more exciting because i feel like it's definitely plays into the hands of the of the smart guy well the, i think the uh, real the problem
0: end. is that um on most episodes it's like uh one person who's very obviously not good at the game uh and one person who is very good at the game and they're kind of like waiting for the other person to ring in and they just don't do it.
2: Yeah. And, and it's also one of these deals where these guys don't quite get the strategy of it, which is that if you know you have somebody who's an idiot, try to get them to increase the amount of money in your bank as much as possible by taking like the most challenging path in uh, the shortest distance between themselves and the chaser. And then if they succeed, great. They've added money to your bank. If they fail, you get, you've you gotten a dum-dum off your team. Yeah, I, like, That's exactly what they should do. I was
0: watching it uh, last night, the most recent episode, and they were like... In a, one thing people don't do enough on that show is pass. When they don't know the answer, they'll sit there and go, uh, 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 John Robertson. They're like, well, Stephen Breyer is the oldest uh, one, and you also wasted four yeah. of your... Like, four extra seconds. If you don't know it, immediately pass and go to the next one. Pass it.
2: Yeah. It's a good strategy. Um,
0: also, speaking of game shows, shout out to my friend Elliot Kalin, uh, who
2: I know from The Flophouse and from his work as lead writer on Mystery Science Theater 3000 and from Douglas Movies, where uh, Elliot and I first met. Uh, he was on Jeopardy this week and did not win, uh, came in second, but acquitted himself quite well. And... uh it's cool to see. Uh, re- I've only I've only known like maybe like three or four people that I've ever been on Jeopardy, so it's always cool to see that happen. Um, it was kind of I was kind of starstruck because he didn't mention it beforehand. Then we turned it on. Me and Ruby as we were eating dinner. Yeah, we're like, I know that guy. Elliot. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, I only uh, um, I only
0: that only happens to me on like uh, hockey, where I go. Oh, I know that guy. He's my friend.
2: Right. Yeah, it used to happen to me on Cops, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to Puck Soup. Uh, enjoy the uh, mailbag. Hopefully you dig the uh, bonus this week. I, th- I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, really creative idea on creating some blockbuster one-for-one trades. And uh, and we'll talk to you uh, next week when uh, Sean's back. Take care, everybody. Sticks
0: and hits and goals and saves and slapshots and
1: goons. We've got sportly commentary to it if you're commuting. We also cover movies, TV shows, hits and tunes. It's your weekly bowl of hoggy and (sighs) nonsense.